Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there and welcome to the Stock Club podcast coming to you from the top floor of Rubicoin HQ here in Dublin, Ireland. In this, the first episode of 2019, we're going to talk about the rise of veganism, the fall of alcohol, and the David versus Goliath battle between McDonald's and a small Irish restaurant chain. So to kick off today, let's have a look at some of the news stories that caught our eye over the past few weeks. Emmett, do you want to go first? Sure. It's a time of year, James, where people and the media like discuss diets and exercises and new way of living and a better future. Uh, what with New Year's resolutions? Yeah. But there appears to be a non-fad movement underway away from eating meat. And um, that's the new story that I'm going to talk about this okay. week. Okay, yeah. So vegetarianism, veganism. Exactly. So there is a public conversation around the rise of vegetarianism and vegan diets and how eating less meat uh, reduces your carbon footprint and even reduces your chance of serious disease. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, here in Dublin, Ireland, as we were just discussing before we went live, there's a, a whole bunch of billboards going up around the country yeah. promoting um, a vegan life and how virtually anything that involves an animal has a degree of cruelty yeah. to it. Uh, so whether your angle is carbon footprint cruelty or your personal health, there's a lot of conversation around at the moment about going vegetarian mm. or vegan. Uh, so I had a look into it and there, w- there was a definitive study led by a team uh, or, uh, by, uh, by a team led by Dr. Marco Springman at Oxford University that very recently concluded that huge reductions in meat eating are actually essential to avoid Climate change. Yeah. So this is one of the key, uh, I suppose, this is a kernel of reversing climate change or at least addressing climate change. Mm. Um, So when you analyse the food system's impact on the environment, that report said that Western countries need to reduce beef consumption by 90%, which Mm. is absolutely huge. And here in Ireland, we're one of the the top consumers of beef in Europe, as it happens. And it's estimated that per year we all eat 19 kilos of beef for everyone in the country here so but it's a bigger problem than Ireland for sure and just some fast facts on meat eating 30% of the calories consumed globally by humans come from meat products such as beef and chicken and pork and the likes and global meat production has grown between four and five fold globally since 1961 the six largest meat companies have a combined uh, value of around $60 billion market cap in the US. Um, and the largest is Hormel, which is boasting around $23 billion valuation. So basically, we're looking now at a movement away from meat. And these giant businesses are now investing uh, in businesses and startups that are moving us away from animal-based proteins. Yeah. So uh, for me, when I think about this movement, it's it's akin, like when we were kids or when I was a child, 
it's broadly speaking, everybody's every adult smoked. Yeah, it yeah. was just kind of the way it was. You'd turn on the TV, and it was okay to see somebody somebody smoking, smoking while being interviewed, TV, yeah. um, or smoking in the movies. And now uh, the world has woken up and accepted and fully embedded the, you know, the changes that were necessary for health and well-being. And I think we're now looking at something similar. In meat, and when I heard a few years ago that Bill Gates was investing in plant-based proteins and and um, animal alternatives to meat production, I actually thought it was a bit crazy. Uh, he'd lost the plot, but yeah. actually it was quite visionary because I really believe now we are on mm. in the early stages. We haven't quite quite past a tipping point for people to go vegan or because the the alternatives aren't there yet but it appears that they will start to appear in our restaurants and shelves that will make people like me I am a meat eater and I enjoy eating meat with a meal but when there is something there that looks and tastes as good as what I'm used to me representing the average meat eating consumer will actually go for those alternatives. So, so with investing hats on, then, mm. have you, is there any companies out there at the moment that are kind of leading this charge? You know, there's an awful lot of well funded, um, non listed businesses leading yeah. the charge. Like, take for example, Impossible Foods is a major player in the space, and, and they've had about $506 million of investment into the business so far. And they're leading the way for, as they say, sustainable global food system. So, what they're doing is developing new technologies to produce great plant based foods that outperform existing meat and dairy products in taste and nutrition and and again at cost as well because yeah. cost is very important um so right now i don't see a whole lot of investable opportunities for the average woman and man on the street yeah um but what i do think is that over the very long term a lot of stocks that we love and own today, for example, McDonald's, the the biggest, well, the second biggest, biggest restaurant chain in the world. Yeah. Um, I actually get confused as Subway or McDonald's the biggest, but anyway, that's my, one of them. <laughs> I, I have a statistic about McDonald's coming up next. I think it oh, might awesome. be the biggest. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, so yeah. there you go. So McDonald's is arguably one of the biggest movers, sellers of meat in the world. Yeah. Um, it will more than likely start to offer meat-based alternatives in its burgers yeah. sooner than we realise. And when that happens, we'll start to see the tipping point come our, our way. Yeah, very interesting. Maybe you mentioned McDonald's and what news story were you... Yeah. <laughs> what were you looking up? <laughs> There's a theme of sorts happening here because the news story that I was going to chat about today is to do with burgers. All right. Um, there was a kind of a landmark trademark case that we all discussed here in the in the office yeah. where a smaller, not that small, I'll, I'll give a, a kind of a sense of scale of an Irish founded burger company called Supermax had actually won a trademark claim against McDonald's. And yeah. it's kind of been thought of as this like David versus Goliath um, kind of yeah, landmark trademark so, case. Yeah. So just to kind of set the scene, so McDonald's sells 75 burgers a second. It feeds 68 million people per day and that equals about 1% of the world's population. Oh my goodness. Wow. Right, so that's a lot of McDonald's burgers. Well, Supermax and Air Square in Galway City feeds 68 million <laughs> people every Saturday night. It's funny. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention, um, you might be familiar with Supermax because your your fellow co-founder possibly is partial to one of their, their burgers. <laughs> but uh, no, they're very, they're very popular Irish-founded um, fast food joint, burger joint. Um, so their sense of scale would be that they serve about 320,000 customers per week yeah. but they're a serious company you know, the profits are, are in the millions and uh, you know we're fond of them here so basically what happened is it was to do with 
the brand name and the burger name. So Supermax has a story behind the name. The founder is a man called Pat McDonough. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way that the McDonald's brothers were the people who sold the company to Ray Kroc, so it comes yeah. from a name. I think his Mac, um, maybe when he played the equivalent of high school football, it's called uh, GAA here. Because he was a good player, they used to call him the Super Mac. Okay. Uh, and so <laughs> that's, know you know, that. he built his brand based on this story and he decided that he wanted to start selling something called a Mighty Mac. And McDonald's said, absolutely not. If you're thinking of expanding into other European markets, you're going to cause brand confusion. And yeah. we want the market share and we're the big guys and we're the giants. So we're going to stomp, stomp down on top of you uh, and make sure that you can't do that. But actually, they went basically down the wrong route um, and they lost the case because okay. it wasn't problematic from a brand name perspective. It was that they tried to go in and say, we're going to patent this product name. Yeah. And they didn't. They proved in the court that they didn't have enough market dominance to to patent the burger. Yeah. So the Big Mac was the Big Mac and the Mighty Mac is the Mighty Mac and Supermax won it. Yeah. And it was kind of a massive win for the mm. little guy, yeah, you know, which doesn't for... usually happen. I was only reading yesterday that Supermax are now going into London to open a restaurant there, so they're going to become a bigger irritant to McDonald's than they were just in Ireland alone. I think so. They're going to keep going. I think I've heard they want to keep going and extend to Europe. And yeah. I think some of their outlets are starting to be franchised already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the the idea of taking on McDonald's in a trademark case, like the cost and the drain and the pain for Supermax must have been huge, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But how worth it now? Like they're on the kind of global stage of news having won mm. that trademark case. Yeah. And I think they're the Papa John's franchise, Supermax. Yeah. They do. They do pizza. Exactly. Yeah. It's a separate yeah. uh, brand name. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's in the same store, right? Yes. But it's on the other side of the Correct, counter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Papa John's is a stock that's been floated for many years. I had, I had shares in it, I'd say at least 10 years ago. And like so many other stocks, I only wish I'd held it because it has become uh, a brand now that's synonymous. Like it's up there with Domino's from a, a right. scale. And I never go before. for the, yeah. the Papa What Jones. is it about pizza stocks? <laughs> 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 um, then one story I was looking at, and again, kind of theme running through all three of these stories, um, is that Americans are drinking less alcohol. Um, so a recent uh, report by the Wall Street Journal um, told us that you, for the second year in a row, um, U.S. alcohol volumes have dropped about 0.8% last year. Um, and beer, it seems to be the, the worst hit category of alcohol with volumes down about 1.5% in 2018 compared to a 1.1% decline in 2017. It's not just exclusive to beer, though. Wine and uh, spirits are also growing, but at a slower rate um, from years previously. And since in the last 20 years, the, the amount of pure ethanol, which is, I suppose, the very clinical way of measuring you know, alcohol consumption over the last 20 years, maybe 30 years or so, it's fallen about 16 percent um, per person, which just shows the massive decline really in um, alcohol consumption in the US. And, um, you know, which which is a challenge for for a lot of companies, you know, in our in our invest app, we've we've uh, three or four companies that deal primarily with um you know, that's that sell alcohol. We've Constellation Brands, we've Brown Foreman, we've um Boston Beer Sam Adams, uh with Diageo as well. So like these are companies, you know, whose whole whose whole business is built around, you know, selling alcohol. And it seems that there's a kind of you know, this is just limited to the US, but it seems that there is kind of a worldwide shift away from, you know, not not alcohol consumption as such, but the amount of alcohol consumed. Um, and there's a few reasons around this. Um, we can see, you know, 
marijuana is the hot topic of the day and especially you know with its recent legalization in Canada and I think people are perhaps finding um finding different ways to to um to med- self medicate themselves if you want to put it that way um and there's also um there's also an increasing awareness and Emmett you mentioned tobacco back in the 80s um, there's an increasing awareness as well about the, the kind of the dangers of alcohol. Now it's it's not it's not breaking news that you know too much alcohol is bad for you, mm-hmm. but there was for years there was um you know there was various scientific studies that said you know a glass of red wine a week has antioxidants and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But that's increasingly becoming disproven. Oh. So you know whereas tobacco kind of had a severe drop once the the health effects were realised. You know the the drop in alcohol consumption is probably a, a slower a, um. A more gradual drop, but um, yeah, it's becoming more and more obvious that um, that you know that that people are kind of turning away from alcohol um more so. But interestingly, there is a lot of ways that these companies that I've mentioned are are kind of combating this, and one of big ways is, uh, is called premiumization. I'm definitely going to trip over that word, but um, what premium is that? Premiumization is essentially is that um, companies like um, like Diageo and like Brown Foreman have realised that. Instead of selling a high a high volume of you know low price alcohol, they're mm. selling now less alcohol but at higher prices, so increasing the margins on them. So you think of things like um, I know Diageo released a new version of Kettle One Vodka. All of these really high branded spirits, selling them for a lot you know a much higher price but a lower volume. So it's kind of increasing that kind of experience of drinking. You know, you go and you get a a nice cocktail that might cost you you know twice as much as a a beer, a pint of, you know, Coors Light or whatever. So it's it's kind of getting more bang for their book, maybe. Um and also uh and also there's there's a, a high investment coming in in non alcohol products at a lot of these uh companies. So one major kind of brewer, Anheuser Busch, um has recently appointed a global head of non alcoholic beverages. So th- this person is leading their efforts to diversify away from purely alcoholic drinks and um non-alcoholic drinks actually make up more than 10% of their brewer volumes at the moment. So it's it's much like what you mentioned, Emmett, it's this kind of global shift in, in consciousness away from, you know, one thing that we've we've been kind of doing for a long, long time towards, you know, as we become, you know, as science advances and research advances and I suppose cultural tastes advance, that we're becoming more and more aware and changing our, our, our tastes, I suppose. And it's it's really will be a measure going forward of which companies can adapt fast enough will be the ones to survive. Yeah, and I think like booze is escapism. Like alcohol yeah. is a it's a mechanism for socializing. It's a mechanism for kind of letting go of the day's worries, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Um and the alternatives that are out there today, there's never been more. Mm. So if you take in the seventies, the or well, it was actually a bad bad example, I was gonna say marijuana in the seventies, but <laughs> you know, the availability at twenty five percent of Americans today can buy uh, legal weed. Yeah. And so one in four people have now access to an alternative mm. to alcohol. Now, your views on the long term health effects of either can yeah. be informed by a lot of different reports. And in fact, yesterday I was only reading, and this is off topic, but I was reading that there has been an increase in the number of. Um, of admissions into mental health facilities okay. in the areas where marijuana has been legalized. Yeah. Which, uh, and it was down to the fact, 
on the piece I was reading that if you take um if you were at Woodstock and had weed or took weed today, the the volume of is it CP what's the name of the potent THC THC was something like four percent back in the back in the sixties and seventies and now it's kind of like it's dangerous now. It's as high as twenty percent. So it's analogous to drinking um a pint of beer versus a pint of vodka. So um there are other considerations too. I'm going off point, but I hear you entirely. There is one correlation there though with um James what you mentioned about is it premiumization? Yeah. In that you mentioned the kind of levels of the potent part of marijuana, but like the idea of a drink for me now, this might be an age thing, is um I want it to taste good, be yeah. well made, I want it to be enjoyable. I actually don't care if it's very low alcohol volume. Yeah. Whereas I think before, mm. you know, again, an age thing, it would have been let's get, you know, yeah. a tin of cider or <laughs> let's get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it, maybe it's an age thing, maybe it's a cultural thing, maybe it's a yeah. class thing. You, yeah. you you focused on the US, but I definitely think that alcohol now to be enjoyed needs to needs to be premium. Mm, really, yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. And like certain alcohols as well are linked to, you know, certain experiences like here in Dublin. You know, I, I wouldn't say there's a tourist that comes to Dublin that doesn't have a pint of Guinness. Very so true. that, that yeah. obviously helps Diageo out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's some of the, the recent news stories we wanted to take a look at. We're going to move on now to one of our most popular segments from the last year, companies we never talk about. Um, Emmett, what company from our Invest app do you want to shine a little light on today? So uh, it's not that I never talk about it, but I guess I'd like to shine a spotlight on a line today. Yeah. Because if you open the Invest app and just take a look at the five-year graph of a line, it very recently was floating around $400 per share yeah. and very recently dipped below $200 okay. per share. Um, so effectively, um, the the business, the stock is trading at a discount to its its highs from several months ago. That doesn't mean it's cheap, but I do believe Align is an outstanding investment at the moment. And when we just have a look at the business, it has twelve a massive 12 million annual customers worldwide. It has 300 million patients and it has and operates in 103 countries through 136,000 trained doctors. That is a very well absorbed um, system or technology or or orthodontic system. So the business has 900 patents and it really defends them. Mm. And it's it's a throwback to Maeve's point there with McDonald's versus Supermax. Align go after smaller players who try and encroach into their space with this giant patent book of of 900 or so patents. And on top of all of of this, what they have is big data insights. They can see global megatrends on how societies are approaching their orthodontic treatments, which ones they prefer, Mm. you know, price points, you know, uh, recovery or correction times. And they are the leading brand in the space. So I really believe that investors today will be very richly rewarded in the medium to long term for Align. Yeah, and Align are are surely benefiting as well from the kind of the rise in I think there's a there's a big focus now on image. Like there's always been a focus on image, but I think in the past few years, and you know, I would certainly blame it partially on things like Instagram. That you know, people are becoming way more obsessed with image yeah. now, and oh, I think yeah. that's probably definitely benefited a line in some way. Yeah, I think in the US, orthodontic treatment well, is has been absorbed for a long time, and yeah. you know, movies like Austin Powers in the '90s would parody uh, the UK's absence of yeah. orthodontic. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, but that that's very much so even here in our small 
microcosm of Ireland, we yeah. can see that there's been increased in orthodontics in yeah. the last decade or so. Yeah, for sure. And um, just there on, I think it was middle of December, a line uh, announced their six millionth Invisalign patient, uh, which was a tween uh, patient from China. Yeah. And I guess there's two messages in there. They're selling in China mm-hmm. and that the Invisalign product is is yeah. getting out there at scale. It's a giant product and yeah. it's it's aesthetically pleasing or it's, it's invisible. Is Align's USP the fact that it's an invisible, easier way, less painful way to straighten your teeth? Effectively, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have an Align brace on and nobody notice, whereas yeah. the, the train tracks, as they were called around. Yeah, well, parts, I went through the hell of train tracks so and I, re- yeah. I remember the pain yeah. of getting them tightened. I it's a serious mechanical and shout thing. out to my parents for paying the however many thousand they paid to get it done. I mm. appreciate it, but boy, I would have preferred a line. Yeah, yeah. You know? old train tracks kind of look barbaric compared to medieval torture. Yeah, um, so that was companies we ever talk about and the company this month was a line. The ticker symbol Emmet is... ALGN, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. So um, when we were planning uh, out this podcast a few days ago, we so- somehow ended up talking about some crazy stories linked to um, some of the world's most largest and recognised companies. Based on that, we decided to try out a new idea today, fact or fiction. So <laughs> beforehand, each of us uh, came up with uh, a statement that is either factual or fictional. And we're going to read it out. And the rest of us are going to try and decide if it's truth or an outright lie. So we're going to figure out who's the liars in the group. Okay. Uh, Maeve, do you want to go first? Certainly. Um, so I did a quick scan about what company in our invest app I would like to present a piece of fact or fiction about. Yeah. I went with a big one. I went with Google. Okay. And the statement is that Google hires goats to mow its lawn. <laughs> and I'm going to go poker, poker <laughs> yeah. face on this. I'm looking at you both waiting to right, see what okay, you think. That's goats. a good one. Um, so one of the world's most valuable companies. But it sounds it's 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 new age. It's it's yeah. It's it is new it's age. Hippie, and hippie-ish. I'm sure they have a small carbon footprint, probably zero. Yeah. Where, where's the, so is where's it, where's their, their HQ? Exactly in <laughs> yeah. Mountain View. So it's quite a sizable yeah. piece of greenery. Yeah. So um, what do you think? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say fact. I think it's kind of weird, and it's 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 a uh, it's kind of trying to be interesting enough for a company like Google to do. Okay, Amos? Um, I'm going to go with fact as well. I, uh, You know, it's crazy. I never would have guessed it. <laughs> Giles, between Giles the sound booth, is thumbs downing me saying Giles, that. Giles, 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 Giles is our sound um, It is fact. Oh. Amos and James, you're both right. It is absolutely now, true. Now, I never would have guessed it. You know. It's part of their green strategy yeah. as a company. It's part of their low carbon approach. Um, and around their HQ and Mountain View, they have a team, uh, a crew <laughs> of of goats and they graze. And apparently it's more cost efficient than getting people to mow the grass. Yeah. Um, and they have names and they're they're almost pets. So I can't imagine the grass looks well kept. You know, yeah. like I think they, they do a very good job, actually. Really? Yeah, I think they do quite a good... When you leave them to it and you just let them munch. They just kind of top... Take the exactly. Top size the, exactly, the like a horse in a field would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Respect Fair to the goats. <laughs> there you have it. Emmett. Okay. Um, I have a couple, but I think I'll, I'll hone in this. Costco, yeah. a Fortune 500 business-to-consumer B2C company, spends nothing on advertising. Fact or fiction? Zero dollars on advertising. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. It's... Yeah, that sounds unbelievable. 
yeah, like to have it at like absolute zero, like I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm stumped. I'm gonna go with trying to read your face, and I'm gonna say that it is like the goat's fact. I'm gonna go with fiction. I don't think it could be absolute ze- absolute zero. James, you're the winner. Ah. Uh, <laughs> they nearly spend nothing. They have a line item on yeah. their balance sheet and it's negligible. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculously What are low. we talking about? Like so you're nearly, oh, just a couple of million. Oh. Which for a business, that's worth <laughs> billions. Okay. You know, like uh, their advertising budgets are down on yeah. the floor. So um, Not quite nothing. <laughs> not quite nothing, but rem- I, I would say you would not. You will not find another business to consumer brand managed that, that spends so little yeah. on advertising. Right. So they're, they're just that well known. The they're US. just word of mouth referral, location of stores, you know, yeah. people talking to people and just such compelling value proposition. It's just known. Right. Right. You ready for my one? Yep. Yep. Last year, the British designer brand Burberry destroyed more than $35 million worth of their own clothes. Yeah. I know. I yeah, know okay. they did this. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the number amount, I don't know, $35 million. Actually, it could yeah. Be, yeah. It could be $100 million but, or $5 million, but I do know that they decided to destroy a lot of I'm going to have to lie next time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they destroy basically tons and tons of their own clothes just to protect the brand. Yeah. Uh, they're not the only company to do it. I know Nike, um, there was a fairly... Um, infamous article I think it was early last year where um, this guy found like bags and bags of brand new Nike shoes um, in New York somewhere and when he opened them up they were perfect apart from they were all slashed so they were unwearable basically but it's just to to protect their own brand oh, which, which seems pretty uh Pretty depressing. Mm. Yeah. That is an uncomfortable fact. Yeah. Yeah. Can we have a can we have a hidden extra? I have, okay, I yeah. have one Go more for it. fact. Go for it. Let's, okay. okay, well card. So Disney World Florida is the same size as San Francisco. Fact or fiction? I was actually there recently. Oh, you were there recently? Yeah. I was there when I was ten. Hmm. Was it, so there a, being Disney World. Disney World. Yeah. Okay. Disney World Florida is the same size as San Francisco City. So is that like because all the different parks of Disney World, like there's Epcot and so the the real estate owned by the Disney Corporation okay. for their Florida operation, yeah, is equal to less or greater than San Francisco City. I'm gonna say I've never been to San Francisco, but it's it's compact, pretty massive. But um, the, the city though. Oh yeah, the city. I've never been, but. Yeah. Disney World is massive. I'm going to say it's true. I, I think I'm going to say fact, yeah. You're both correct. Yeah. So about 43 to 45 square miles. San Francisco and Disney World Florida are the same size, give or take. That's wow. insane. Okay, so um, with that, uh, that was our, our new fact or fiction section. Um, we might bring it back next in for the next podcast. Uh, we'll see what the reaction is <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um, so you might have noticed today that there is one very important voice missing. Uh, Rory, our head ad- analyst, is off on a month-long trip around Vietnam at the minute. However, um, for our elevator pitch to finish out the show, he's kindly sent us a recording um, from somewhere deep in the Vietnamese countryside and I think he is pitching an entire country to us. So we'll play that now. How's it going, guys? Uh, obviously, I'm not in the studio right now. I'm actually in the town of Sapa, which is in the northern mountains of Vietnam where I have been travelling for the last month or so. Um, And even though I've done my best to stay away from the market news, I do have an elevator pitch for you, and that is an investment in Vietnam itself. Uh, This is just a remarkable country. 
Uh, it's right next to China, obviously a huge market. It's attracting investment from the likes of Intel, Canon, Foxconn, have all invested huge amounts of money here recently. Um, but really, what I think is the main reason to invest in Vietnam is the Vietnam people themselves. Uh, I've never in my life met such friendly, hardworking people. Uh, there's 96 million of them here. Uh, they're very young, the median age is 30, and over half of them speak English. So um, I don't know what the vehicle is yet, but uh, my elevator pitch for this month is Vietnam itself. Um, so, uh, yeah. There it is. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. So that was Rory in Vietnam giving us his pitch on Vietnam. <laughs> um, there is an ETF where you can buy Vietnam, just pure play Vietnam ETF. What's it called? I can't recall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I researched it, I had a look at it, and it is pure, pure play. I think it's the only ETF. Okay. And, and we'll put details of it up. Um, we'll talk about it or broadcast it or yeah. create it or something. I'm sure we'll put it in the Invest app. Yeah. So, Emmett, uh, your elevator pitch then? Well, I don't have the advantage of having been in the country about to pitch it's yeah. the next door neighbour to Vietnam and it's the giant in the room it's China yeah. and the reason I'm just going to pitch China as a nation is that PwC the giant accountancy firm recently attempted I guess to rank 32 of the world's largest economies um, in the year 2050 so they got out their crystal ball and they said here's the new world order in the year 2050 and it was based on their projection of GDP or gross yeah. domestic product and PPP which is purchasing power parity so two numbers that basically tell us um, the economic health of a business or sorry of a, of a country so uh, and they I guess they, they reflect a country's economic productivity and their standard of living so um, in top spot was China, yeah. to no great shock. So what PwC said was that by 2050, China will not only have overtaken the US, but its economy economy will be much, much bigger than the US. And according to the report, its GDP will stand at around nearly $60 trillion, compared to the US's at around $34 trillion. Oh. So, I mean, China as a economic mega force is yeah. going broadly in one direction and it said that the Asian giant will account for about 20% of the world's economy which will be higher than India at 15% and the US at 12% mm. so it would also have an aging population that won't be able to enjoy the same pace of growth as it had in, in the four decades in the run up to then uh, nonetheless uh, China and India will be far bigger in, than the US in 2050 and um, that's my pitch. So yeah. how how you buy into China, I believe, is by buying the best businesses that are run to the most exacting of US standards. Yeah. So if a business is listed, a pure play Chinese business is listed in the US stock on the on one of the two big US stock markets, mm. it's playing ball by American standards. Yeah. And therefore you're getting American governance in a business that's um, operating in China. And Brilliant. we have a few of those businesses in Invest. And importantly, they're already in China because it's, oh, it's a very difficult market to enter. I very, believe. very difficult. So yeah. you, you, to be born in China and have China in your DNA as a business is very important. Okay, mm. Maeve, which elevator pitch are you going to pick? Well, this is a big one. I'm picking a whole country. <laughs> <laughs> um... And I should add, Vietnam is on the PwC report. Yeah. I won't tell you what ranking. No, so Bum I'm gonna I'm gonna go with just an off the cuff reaction. Um, Rory, I really liked the ambience and the scooter beeps in the background of your pitch, but I'm gonna go with Emmett's because Rory's not here and he can't possibly. Give out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Rory's. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I was in Vietnam before a few years ago too. It's a gorgeous country. Um, I wasn't really <laughs> sizing it up as an investment at the time, I have to say, but uh, <laughs> that, that's your head animus for you. It never turns off. Um, so that's about it from us here today at Stock Club. Remember, in addition to our new name, we're also going to be recording episodes twice a month from now on. So you'll be hearing a lot more from us over the next few months. I also want to quickly mention that we recently published a brand new investing report for 2019, 43 star stocks to smash the market. Uh, This is a collection of some of our best performing stocks from the Invest app, plus five more stocks we're most excited about for 2019, and you can access them all in this bumper report. Subscribers to the Invest app should have already had access to this report, but if you want to buy it as a once-off, simply Google 43 star stocks to smash the market or follow the link provided with this episode. If you have anything you want us to discuss on the next podcast, uh, make sure to leave a comment or email us at pod at rubycoin.com. That's P-O-D at rubycoin.com. And as always, there's plenty of new things to check out in the Invest app this month, including our first star stock and stock of the month for 2019. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the first episode of the Stock Club podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to rate, review and share the podcast. And from all of us here, see you in two weeks and happy investing. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.